welcome to The Mental Matchup, a podcast where we hope to shed light on one of the hardest competitions an athlete will ever face, the matchup against their own mind. My name is Kat, and today I'm here with Ashley Shanley. Ashley swam at Duke and is currently working as a production assistant for ESPN and is based in Charlotte, North Carolina. Ashley, Ashley and I actually went to school together. Um, she was the grade above me, and it it was so great to have such an open conversation with her about a topic that we both are extremely passionate about and have been imp- both impacted by in different in different ways. Um, and you know, during the episode, we talk about injury and the impact it had on Ashley's mental health, as well as the individual aspect of swimming, going to therapy, and her experience with losing a friend who died by suicide. There is a lot in this episode, and I think there are a lot of really good takeaways and, you know, not necessarily lessons learned, but shared experiences, right? Like continuing to share knowledge about a topic that if you're listening, you have some kind of interest in in learning more and learning how to support your loved one, your friends, yourselves, whoever that may be. So with that, let's dive into our episode. Ashley, thank you so much for coming on the mental matchup. I am pumped to have you have you on and talk about. I feel like we're going to talk about a lot of different things. Um, but can you give our audience a brief intro to to who you are and you know what what you do? Yeah, so I'm Ashley Shanley. I went to Duke University where I swam and I actually got my undergrad degree in psychology with a focus in social psych. I always knew I wanted to go into sports reporting and or sports broadcasting, but Duke didn't really have a path for me to do that. So I had a lot of freedom with what I wanted to get my degree in. I was very interested in psychology and particularly social psychs. I thought that would help with reporting and interviews and whatnot ended up uh, helping me further down the road and being a big passion of mine to learn a little bit more about how the brain works and different things. And interestingly enough, kind of talking about mental health and whatnot on this podcast, little did I know kind of where my future would land. Um, But it was a major, I would say that was common, but people I don't think really truly understood what psychology is and all the avenues you can take and how applicable it is to so many different careers. So that was honestly just a blessing in disguise that Duke didn't really have a path for me for where I eventually wanted to go. So um, completed my undergrad degree, didn't really have enough experience to go into the sports media world. So I went to grad school at Boston University, um, got my master's there in journalism with a focus in sports, and uh, then had a quick little stint at Harvard athletics where I was a video producer, which led me down to Charlotte, where I'm now a content associate at ESPN working on college football and college softball. And my favorite thing in the world is to do storytelling. So in the sports world, obviously I'm telling a lot of athletes and student athletes stories, which I absolutely love. Amazing. Yeah. I feel like psychology was like randomly a sleeper pick in terms of majors like I feel like we probably had three maybe four people on the team with psych majors but I feel like a lot of people minored in it but I think it's so cool psychology is like insane right it's like how do people think and I mean I work in retail and I'm always reading books on like pricing psychology and consumer psychology like the difference between like something ending in 99 versus like zero zero it's just insane um when when you were at Duke like what what was your experience like in terms of mental health and athletics and your your swimming experience you know coming out of coming out of high school yeah so I guess I'll start way back in high school it's just (laughs) crazy the world of swimming is very different because it's an individual sport but you're on a team and so you don't really see that team aspect kind of until you go to college I swam and grew up in Michigan. It's very different high school swimming in the state of Michigan. It's 
almost a smaller level, smaller scale in college swimming. You are only allowed to compete on your high school team during their season. You cannot compete with your club team. You have to train with them. You have your big state meet. It's crazy. And it was kind of great to prepare me for what to expect. It was going to be like being on a college team, but you're still going from kind of middle school, whatever it might be into high school and learning how to be a teammate while competing on an individual sport and you're practicing all these hours a day while going to seven to eight hours of class in between. And it was a lot mentally. Um, and my club coach actually did a ton of mental training with us and just kind of how to get into a positive mindset. I feel like Loki, a ton of us had performance anxiety and he was so Zen and would go through, um, kind of visualization with us. So that was something I kind of carried into college swimming, but that helped mostly like on the performance side of things. And it really wasn't until I got injured, um, second semester of my freshman year, very strange injury and no one could really figure out what it was. So my ulnar nerve in my left arm, which is your funny bone slipped out of the little groove it lives in and got stuck under this random extra muscle I have. And so I was going to the physical therapist, going to all these different doctors. No one could figure out what exactly was wrong. So then I start getting in my head and I'm like, am I just imagining this? Am I, is my body like faking an injury that, because I just, I don't know, I don't, I don't can't swim. I, I could not figure out what was wrong. And it was just making me go insane. And, um, so I ended up competing. This happened in January. I competed at ACC's on that injured arm. So basically a numb arm, um, and continued on into the spring. And finally I was going home for that summer. Cause my dad worked at a hospital up in Michigan was like, let's just get you checked out here. I know some people will, we'll figure it out. So I went up and they figured it out, but basically told me, you know, they were going to do the surgery, move the nerve, but there was no guarantee that there wasn't going to be nerve damage or it was going to work perfectly. So basically I was in a cast for two weeks and a sling and brace for two months um, and wanted to get back to competing that year. Cause our first meet was we were swimming at Pitt and Pitt is right across from Carnegie Mellon where my sister was a senior. So I was like, I need to be at that meet. I need to make the travel team. So one putting pressure on myself, that was very unnecessary, but two um, I had two and a half to three months where I wasn't getting back in the water and wasn't going to know if my arm was quote unquote fixed until then. So that just created a lot of anxiety of I'm a type a person, um, not having control over the situation and kind of giving me those feelings and doubts in my head. And so I think that put a lot of stress and anxiety on me, which then in turn, when I did get back again, that pressure I put on myself to get back to swimming and kind of rush myself back into it. I was just putting all this pressure on myself and self-doubt and whatever it may have been without talking to anyone and ended up, I just felt like I couldn't open up to people. I didn't think people knew what I was going through that they didn't understand my, a lot of my um, occupational therapy and the start of physical therapy was up in Michigan. So none of my teammates saw what I actually went through. I came back. I was I don't even know if I was wearing my brace anymore. I just had a big old scar. So they thought I was totally back to normal. There's kind of this stigma in swimming where it's like, and I guess a lot of sports, if you're injured, like you can't always see the injury. So people you're like, are people talking about me? Do they think I'm a slacker? Do they think I'm not working hard? And so I didn't want people to think that I wanted them to think I was a good teammate. I was a sophomore now, and I was going to be the oldest breaststroker on our team. Um, and it was just not a great situation for me. And so instead of actually talking to someone about it, because mental health was just something you didn't really talk about. Um, I just kept pushing through, pushing through to the point where there was just, you know, good old co-ed swimming drama going on on the team and someone said something about me and I pretty much just broke down and uh ended up it was bad like to the point where I was looking up you know I'm like okay the only way to fix this is just go back home again not like I'm transferring I'm done bye yeah I'm like maybe instead of thinking oh if I talk about my feelings and figure this out I'll get better I was like okay just escape the situation I'm I'm gonna transfer looking up like how to transfer to Michigan what the rules are all this stuff crazy anyway so I call my mom and I'm like breaking down on the phone to her finally like telling someone how I felt like everything I was going through 
And she was like, just come home for the weekend. We'll take care of it. We'll talk about it. So I went home and my dad um, actually had suggested it. His brother swam at Michigan state and had just not performance anxieties and stuff, but he had always talked about how um, when he was kind of going through that transition of becoming a really good swimmer and going to swim in college, he worked with a sports psychologist. And I mean, this was back like, well, it's not that old, but back a while. It's probably the eighties. Right? Yeah. And so yeah. I was like, he, my dad just recommended, he's like, you know, does Duke have a sports psychologist? Maybe you can talk to him and just talk through it. So I decided to do that. Good old Greg Dale. I got an appointment with him and I think I cried the entire session. And I don't even know if I like got two sentences into like what I really wanted to talk about, but you know, he's a sports psychologist. He leads you in the direction he thinks you need to go. Um, and it just helps so much. So I started seeing him after that, but I remember I literally, and like, I love my girl classmates to death. We talk, we were talking in our group text today. We talk all the time. I did not tell any of them I was going to see him. I went, my second session was over winter break and we were all staying at my friend's house because her mom lived in Durham and the dorms were closed then, you know, how Duke is. And, uh, I told only her, I was like, I need to borrow your car to go to campus for something and was like, not ashamed, but just didn't want to feel judged that I was going to talk to a sports psychologist. And now looking back, I'm like, I feel like if I would have opened up about that one, they would have been so supportive, but two, it would have just started normalizing that conversation at a much earlier time. Um, and so I started seeing him after that and I saw him pretty frequently, um, minimum, like once a semester going forward, but he definitely helped me get through that. And, um, even so, like my whole year was just kind of, I was not performing well. And so I really wanted to build on my kind of that mental strength and working on my anxiety and stuff. Again, it wasn't performance anxiety, but just, am I going to get injured again? If I do this, will I get injured? I, and how I watch athletes and like, I think with, uh, Clay Thompson, I'm always like, he ha he must have an incredible sports psychologist because all his injuries in a row, like how to come back from that and not doubt. I had to work through like those little anxieties and doubt that if I did something, I was going to injure myself again. Um, so still like continue talking to him. I think I started to open up to my friends more than I was seeing him, but never really encouraged other people to go see him. Um, even though like we all kind of had struggles about different things. And I think it was like, I knew a few people saw him on our team for different reasons, but it wasn't a conversation we just like casually had, which kind of makes me sad. I wish we would have. Uh, but at the time I, there was still such a big stigma around kind of looking weak and, um, you know, and an individual sport, but a team sport, you're still competing for your spot on that ACC team. Like, Oh, do I want people to know that I might have like, a mental side of me that's a little weaker and stuff. Um, so that was kind of my experience in college. And then obviously, um, my junior year, um, that was when James got kicked off the team and everything. Um, well, I'm, we'll get into him, but, um, a teammate of mine got kicked off the team. And I remember my coach had me go talk to the sports psychologist and talk to a different uh, caps or whatever it was. Um, but I don't even know if once he was kicked off, if our coaches really encouraged him again, that was a conversation I just didn't have like, nothing against my coaches. I love them. There's just no real education and how to deal, how to train your student athletes at the time. This was 2016, 2015, um, how to train your athletes on, kind of mental health and stuff, especially a team of 62 kids or whatever we were. So it was, um, definitely a wild adventure, but I will say, and I know we've talked about this in the past, a little disappointed in how kind of behind I felt Duke was, um, in their mental health avenues and psychology like how available different resources were for the student athletes. Um, because I think we kind of 
seen some people who could have really benefited from it if it was made more common, made more popular, um, not even popular as a term, but just more available, you know? So, um, yeah, I'll let you kind of guide from there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, no, I think that's a very valid like thing to be upset about. I mean, when you think about Duke and the resources we have, not just in terms of monetary resources, but in terms of like the hospital is literally like, the, everything is right there. The like medical school, every, like everything you could imagine the, some of the most brilliant minds in science and psychology and psychiatry are like a stone's throw away yet. Like it's not built up within the student athlete community and it's not built up within the actual like Duke, you know, student community. Like I felt like there's always feel like we're so far from the bullseye of like the target of where we could be and like being a leader in that field like I feel like Duke is like a leader in so many different things whether it's sports or whether it's like breakthrough research and all that and like that's like I mean that's something I look back and I'm extremely frustrated on because we had the resources right Mm -hmm. like we're not like some small small school who like there's there's barely any like athletic money to begin with or money anywhere you know like that still not okay but like more understandable easier to digest um but like duke is duke so i i yeah i mean i could go down that rabbit hole i also really resonated with your with like speaking on your injury and almost like i know my experience and i feel like it was similar with people who are also injured once like your brace comes off you're off the crutches or like, you can't see anything's Mm -hmm. wrong or like, like I even had an experience, my second surgery, I knew something was off with my body and like my x-rays weren't showing anything. My MRI was like, they weren't sure, but they weren't not sure. They were like, Oh, like, you know, it's enough to give us reason to cut you open again, but like not enough where like you sit out of practice, like, you know what I mean? And I always felt like, Oh my God, am I making this up? Like, am I like, everyone's just, everyone's probably like, she doesn't want to run or she doesn't want to do this. And yeah. really it was like, I literally can't make it through like showering. Cause my like hip would give out. Like, it's like, I would give anything to run without pain. Um, so I resonate with that wholeheartedly. And I wish, I, I wish that there was even more support in terms of like supporting athletes and student athletes through their injuries. Yeah. I think like understanding that it's okay to like from the outside, look like you're, you're healthy. Right. But understanding that like, you're not back to where you are. You have to be patient with yourself. You have to be patient with others and like educating teammates that like, you know, they're, they're going to PT every day. Like they're not making this up. And I will say, I feel like that's, there are some people that I think not like, I want to be, I want to phrase this the right way, not necessarily like faking an injury, but like, there are definitely some times that I was like, okay, a little dramatic. Like, I think, like, yeah, I think like maybe we could have made it, you know, through the run. Um, but like everyone's body's their own. So like no judgment, exactly. but I do think that when people over dramatize or like not make up an injury, but like, you know, whatever. Um, cause there's always like two sides to the coin that does mm-hmm. put those people who are actually really struggling or healing at a like major like disadvantage of them being like they're gonna think I'm faking right or like yeah um which again another another big issue um to tackle in in sports um but that's interesting I didn't realize that you had gone to like one well, I, I know his name um but had gone to like our sports sports psych and okay. yeah I, I, don't, I never know if I should say them or not. Yeah. Dr. Uh, Dale. Yeah, yeah. It's okay. It's okay. I think I've said <laughs> it before. Dr. Dale. Um, yeah. I mean, did you ever go to caps because I feel like performance and like, I went to Dr. Dale for, for not performance. It was for my emotional issues. And he basically was like, I can't help you here. And I was like, well, I'm not going to caps. So like later, like, yeah. did you ever like go down the other Avenue? Um, I did once it was my senior year, um, when, yeah, basically my coaches were like, not my coaches, honestly, like my head coach was like, 
I think you need to go talk to someone else. And like start of senior year was just a little crazy and everything, you know, that's, yeah. So it was like, I tried it and I was like, no, not, a, not as good as Dr. Dale. So um, I, I think I like, they made you reschedule or schedule another appointment. And I'm pretty sure I like no showed or canceled or something. So I was like, this is not, not beneficial to me at all. Um, so I wanted someone that kind of like knew this, my situation and knew everything that I was going through, um, in like my past and stuff too. So yeah, I, nothing, nothing against caps, but just, you know, wasn't a, you know, they like say, cause I've, seen a couple different therapists now you have to find that personality you have to mesh with them and like it's okay to break up with your therapist it's like so, dating yeah yeah you have to find the yeah. right one so you know caps just wasn't the match for me <laughs> yeah I'm kind of having like a light bulb moment in like I I went to caps I think my junior year and I was like so mortified of like going to going yeah. to therapy that I didn't go back and when I when I graduated and was like done with lacrosse and I went to Fuqua I like it was like something had changed and I was totally fine with going to therapy like I went to caps like once every two weeks and I like looking back I'm like I wonder if that's because I didn't have to like tell anyone in the locker room like why I couldn't go to lunch Mm -hmm. oh like it's like it is so interesting thinking through that um oh I remember feeling like this is I look back and I'm like I'm so annoyed at myself but I literally remember because you had to like go up a staircase or something and it was kind of right in like main by the chapel and stuff um and I remember being so self-conscious and like checking around when I walked out like almost ashamed I was going and I'm like what was wrong with me like why no one should feel that way you know and that's why we do this and are talking about this and normalizing it but I hate that I felt that way about going to express and talk about feelings like when you break it down and think about it it's so crazy that people there was such a stigma and still is a stigma against just talking about your feelings and just encouraging people then to like I feel like stuff I learn in therapy I like take out into the world and take take to my friends and stuff and so like you know I have a friend going through a breakup and it's like I obviously have a little more therapy and grief and stuff, but, um, I like, I'm like, you know, a relationship of a year that's feeling like you lost someone here are some coping mechanisms that you can kind of see if they work for you, test them out. So yeah, I, I a hundred percent feel it. And yet I'm always like, there are days I'm like, Oh, I just don't have time for it. I don't want to do it. And then I just feel like a new person after just sometimes I'm like, I don't even think my therapist says anything. I just talk the whole time, but it's great. You know? I, yeah, I interviewed, um, this woman named Madeline Barlow and she said something that has stuck with me. I mean, it's only been, it's only been two weeks, but, um, emotion is energy in motion. So like when you push it down, that energy has to go somewhere. So when you start thinking about it as like, when you need like that release of like physical, right. Like you're like twitchy sitting at your desk mm-hmm. and you need to go on a run. It's like the same thing. Like if you keep your emotions in, like they need to go somewhere. So it's like, you get to decide, are they going to be like constructive and just like talking, or am I going to like explode at some random email that comes through my inbox that like, you know, gets on my nerves, um, which I think is like an interesting way to think about it. Um, but I definitely want to pivot into your experience with, losing a friend to suicide. Um, and I know we were talking a little bit beforehand and unfortunately I feel it's such, it's like reality these days is like you either know someone directly, um, who has died by suicide or indirectly through, you know, another friend or a family member. Um, so I'd love for you to kind of, kind of talk about, I guess, like the impact that, that had and has and continues to have on you. Yeah. Um, so it was April of 2020 and I lost a friend to suicide. Um, and it was a friend I had stopped communication with about four months prior to that. Um, 
and it was someone I dated all through college um, and continued to be a person who was there for them when they kind of started to have um, some manic and depressive episodes and just not sort of act as themselves um, because a lot of his friends and myself were his family here in the States. He was an international student. Um, and so we were kind of there for him when he was starting to go through things, ended up, he had to go home, um, cause his mental health prevented him from being able to work. Um, and he needed his visa. So lost his visa and basically had to go home. Um, and so once he was home, it was some of his friends, you know, had had different experiences with him and needed to take care of their own mental health. Um, so I hate to be like, we took turns kind of who would, could be there for him at a time. Um, cause it was very destructive behavior and very hard, um, on our mental health. So, you know, we had kind of all been there at different points and it had gotten to the point for me that I really needed to step back and take care of myself. I just started a new job, moved to a new city and it was just a lot on me to kind of um, be around some of those destructive behaviors around, I say, you know, from afar, but constantly being updated and different things. So when he passed, I had this horrible, horrible guilt that it was my fault um, because it was always my greatest fear when he started showing signs of bipolar disorder. We don't know officially what he was diagnosed with. Um, that was kind of some private stuff with his family. So none of us actually know. We are all pretty certain it was bipolar disorder with the episodes he had and his behaviors. And I did extensive, extensive research um, and education for myself after he passed. But um, I had always thought it was going to be my greatest fear that something was going to happen. Um, and so when I cut off communication and then it did happen, I felt very, very guilty. And a lot of his friends felt very, very guilty. And thankfully we had an incredibly big class for my swim team and we were all very, very tight knit and strong and everyone was there for each other. And it became a very important kind of understanding with us that we had to talk about our feelings and we had to get it out there and cry to each other, do whatever we needed. And we did, I think a first month or six weeks or so we did zoom calls every other week. I want to say, um, I remember seeing everyone three different times very early in that period, just to talk and just to see what we were doing. And this was a time like it was COVID. We didn't know what was going on. It was April of, of COVID. Like we kept being told it was going to get better and it wasn't. So <laughs> not only were we all dealing with this grief, but then dealing with our own mental health of what is happening in the world. And people, some people were isolated in their apartments. Some people were able to be back with their families. And so it was just all this guilt and anxiety and sadness and just misunderstanding. And I remember going home and, um, I was just trying to figure out the signs. I could not figure out the signs. And I started going back and I was like, Oh my God, how did I miss this? And how did I miss this? And if only I did this, if only I approached so-and-so about this, so they did this. And it was to the point where it was like consuming way too much of my like brain power. And I was like, this is not healthy. I need to start talking to someone and figuring this out. Like, I can't just talk to my family. I can't just talk to my friends. I need to talk to someone to start to navigate through this. Um, and it was to the point where also then I, I started feeling guilt of like, am I hounding my friends and being too negative on my friends and family by constantly crying and asking questions and all this. Um, and so once I did start talking to a therapist and working through it and I found the right therapist took some time, but you know, we, we got there. Um, one thing that really resonated with me and I think is what I needed to hear. Cause I just kept wanting to be like, when do, when do I stop feeling guilty? When do I stop like constantly asking the questions of when, what happened? Why didn't I know? Like, were there signs? 
it was she said first of all there's no timeline on guilt so I hate to tell you it's not just going to be over at this point and she was like with that guilt and that sadness and everything it may sound cliche but she goes it's the most true thing I can say it's like the ocean sometimes it is so calm you won't feel that guilt you'll have that understanding one day and be like you know what I understand that I did what I could because we all did what we could. You can never tell. And it's not like anyone's coming up to you and saying, I'm about to die by suicide. Like no one's doing that, you know, and we did what we could. And sometimes it's okay. I have that understanding. Other times it's that tsunami. And it's like, oh my God, I just, I'm, it's all my fault. It's like what happened or you're blaming other people. Like, so it's just knowing that it's a horrible thing to go through. And I hate to be like, while more people are going through it, it's, you know, I can share my experiences. They, they can take it as they may and learn from it, but no one should be learning from it because we don't need any more people dying this way. It's just so tragic. You know, I live in Charlotte where the Miss North Carolina, and I think she was Miss USA just died by suicide. I just saw that all over social media, the 12 year old boy and his sister found him. It's just, no one should be taking their life this way. Um, and to know that people feel so alone and helpless and think that's the only option. I don't want them to ever think that or feel that. Um, and if we make it more common to talk about some of those horrible, dark, negative thoughts people go through, or again, if they're manic depressive and don't have the right medications, how to find those right medications for them and get them where they need to try and eliminate this option as this is my only out. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, I, I'm glad you found the right therapist because I feel like that's like one, I feel like awareness and like understanding that you can't sometimes there are problems that you can't solve on your own and you need help. And that's that's okay. Um, that's more than okay. That's like why why we have these professions, right? Like that's why they're in existence, is because people need them at one point or another. I, I couldn't agree with you more. I like, it really hurts my heart to think I'm going to start tearing up that. And like, I think back to like, when I was clinically depressed, you know, with Morgan, like Morgan as well, just, it hurts my heart that people are currently living with like so much pain Mm -hmm. and they either think they're a burden if they talk to someone Mm -hmm. or if they put it on their family or no one understands them, no one's ever going to understand it. Like it just, I don't know. It's really, really painful. Cause I, I personally now this is like, right. Like a few years down the road, I'm like, there's so much to life. Like, I feel like there's so much life has to offer. And it's really hard when you're in that mental headspace to see it. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's the hardest thing. Like, I don't want to say I I, I get it, but I do understand because I have been there. Like, it seems like it's like, there's nothing else, you know, here for me. And like, this is easier for everyone else. And what I feel like people don't get is like, and I wish we could, I, I personally want to do a better job of this just with everyone in my life of like telling how much I, I love them. Right. Mm-hmm. Like being like, I'm so grateful to have you in my life. I'm so grateful you bring this to the world because I think it's only after people pass that, you know, people like come forward and are like, they were so amazing at this, or they were the best at that. And it's like all these things that are, that are unsaid that come, come to the surface. And I'm like, everyone should like hear how beautifully unique they are and how they can have like a special, special impact, um, on the world. take a quick break and we'll be back with Ashley in a second. I'd like to take a moment to talk about Morgan's message without whom this podcast would not be possible. Morgan's message was founded in 2020 to honor Morgan Rogers. Morgan's Morgan's message strives to eliminate the stigma surrounding mental health within the student athlete community and equalize the treatment of physical and mental health in athletics. We aim to expand the dialogue on mental health by normalizing conversations, empowering those who suffer in silence, and supporting those who feel alone. 
To get involved or to learn more, head to morgansmessage.org or follow along on Instagram at morgansmessage. Let's get back to the episode. Um, yeah, so after that happened, um, like I said, it brought our class a lot closer together. So we kind of did things as a group. One of my teammates, um, we've done it for the past two years now. May is obviously Mental Health Awareness Month. So we have done virtual 5Ks as a group, um, just getting in our walks and raising money for a mental health group in South Dakota. And so that's been something that we've kind of made a little tradition with just within our team and our class. Um, But I just became very conscious about an understanding I want to say about other people's feelings. And you truly don't know what people are going through. Um, And it's more, I would say when I do have friends that are going through things or even not. So those random check-ins, like you said, um, sending people a random text just with a memory and being like, Hey, miss you thinking about this or like sending a photo with it too, just to be like, Hey, I'm, I'm thinking about you. You might not think anyone is, you might be totally happy or I don't even know, but I want you to know I'm thinking about you. Someone out there is. So that's just something I've tried to be more conscious of. Like it's not that hard to send a text and yes, calls and FaceTimes and letters are more personal, but just to get the point across that someone out there loves you, it takes 10 seconds to shoot a text to a friend. And I've had friends that since James passed who I wasn't super close with when we swam and they check in on me, not just about him and like, Oh, are you still coping with this and whatnot? It's more just like, Hey, same thing. Thinking about you. What, what's going on in life? How are you doing? And it's just like the smallest gesture to anyone. Like you don't, people say, you know, smile at someone on the street. You don't know what they're going through. And it's so true. It can pick up someone's day. It can turn it around, make them see the glass a little fuller. Um, but I've also just, I've tried hard to just implement different things within the Duke athletic department. Uh, nothing kind of really came to fruition, but just trying to push for kind of more awareness within the athletic department. But, um, I know we have Morgan's message on campus, which is a great group just to bring awareness and destigmatize talking about mental health. Um, and I know they did kind of COVID related, but make their department, um, their sports psychology department bigger, which I think is awesome and was much needed. But um, also in my profession, I'm in the profession of storytelling and I want to take advantage with that. So I was actually doing a bunch of interviews this past week and a big topic I had a reporter talk about because I want to do a bigger piece on it is just mental health in sports. Um, You know, we've had a lot of professional athletes come out and speak about mental health, but we haven't seen it so much at the collegiate level. And so seeing these women open up about kind of their struggles with mental health from, you know, um, dealing with different things with their mental health because of their sexuality, because they lost a parent or whatever it might be, um, not doing well in school and kind of losing themselves, losing their identity. And so hearing their stories and hearing them open up It was actually something that my camera op when we were down there, sorry, my camera operator um, was like, I don't know if it was 2020, if it's you and our reporter, Jen, or what, but these topics are topics we have never talked about. And he's like, this is incredible. And I think it's so great what you're doing. And one really important thing that my reporter kept asking, and I was like, it was making me so proud and just my heart explode is if there's a little eight-year-old girl or boy out there who's going through this what do you want to say to them? Because there are, and that's the thing, like there are so many little kids going through it. And if they see their stars talking about it on ESPN, they're going to talk about it, you know, and they're going to find a way, find the help they need. Um, So trying to just create it on a bigger scale, I think, and normalize it on a bigger scale with the power I have is something that's very important to me. You can't change the past, but you can work towards changing the future. So that's something I want to work towards. I love that. I think that's amazing. I also think like for anyone listening, it you know, you don't have to be on ESPN to make a difference. Like you mm. can be a parent at a dining room table. You can be 
a teacher in the classroom, you can be a teammate on the field or, you know, in the pool, like you, you can kind of do it from wherever you are. And it can start as like a simple, like, Hey, how are you doing? Like, I think, mm-hmm. I mean, I even, I even still sometimes do it and I I'm trying to be more like deliberate with it where I'm like, Oh, Hey, what's up? You know, kind of like surface level, but sometimes it's like, I think it's important to really be like, Hey, how are you doing? Like, mm-hmm. how is your life actually going? Like, are you happy? Are you, you know, are you thinking you're on the right path? Do you feel fulfilled? Like even just simple questions like, like that. And then that opens an avenue for them to, you know, open up and that might create an opportunity for them to be like, Hey, you know what? Like I actually am like not doing, doing that hot. Like when, when Omicron was like, is that even how you pronounce it? Oh my gosh. Um, when it was like, I, yeah, I don't even remember. I kept saying it wrong. (laughs) Uh, but like when that was happening and people like, you know, even though some of them were with their families, I had friends who were like in their apartments. Right. And it's like back to that isolation and Mm -hmm. they might look like they're, they're having a dandy old time ripping through Netflix shows. But like, I know for a fact that being isolated is not fun. Like humans crave interaction. So like something as simple as literally being like, Hey, how are you, how are you really doing? Like, how is it actually, and being a sounding board. And I do think to your point of like, with, with, um, you know, James and like putting up boundaries, like it is very hard to one, watch a friend struggle. And it's even harder to have to protect and set up boundaries for yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that's like one of the hardest things to, navigate when you have a friend going through something because you love them so much and you yep. not like not like you see it so clearly but you're you kind of want to shake them and be like I can't do this I'm here for you but I feel like you're not there for yourself and it's like I can only I can only do so much and it just wears you down and wears you down and so I would love I mean I'm not like a professional by any means like I wish I honestly could take like a class on like how to like better better support but also like when it gets to the not the breaking point but when it gets to that point where it's like yeah. whoa like this is taking a lot of my energy a lot of my time like I I feel like I'm spiraling like I mm-hmm. I don't know what else to do my hands are in the air like I I can't do this any longer like how to better support someone you know who when you're to that point and they're going through it because I think like that education would be so invaluable like to to everyone. And I don't know what that looks like. That's kind of me, me going on a, going on a huge tangent, but yeah, but I agree. And that's something I did want to follow up with a little bit back in the conversation, just because that was some of the guilt I had, like I gave up. And so that's why I felt so guilty. And it, what I learned in therapy is it's not giving up because you have to take care of yourself too. Um, and I'd given everything I could. And when I kind of closed my the door and waved the white flag in that situation and needed to start protecting my own mental health. You know, I did kind of know he had friends that would still be in communication with him and help guide him through. But that was something really hard because you don't want someone in that situation to feel alone, to feel like they're the burden, but you also have to take care of yourself. And so where that fine line is drawn and, uh, I mean, I probably should have put up my barriers even a little sooner, um, but, you know, it took, it it was such a struggle to try and decide when I was going to do that and when I need to start protecting myself. Um, So it is as those who support um, anyone who's going through something always be aware too. like, yes, you, you do need to take care of yourself and take care of your mental health as well. You can still be a supporter and still care for them. I still checked in with him with other people, but it was something that I needed to stand back on a little. Um, and I don't think that anyone should feel guilty for that because again, you don't want to then spiral down a path that leads you to a similar fate. Um, you know, so yeah. It's, it's such a tough situation and that, that's something I would love education on too. And just the effect it has on people. And like you kind of mentioned that survivor's guilt. Um, but I'm hoping 
you know, with awareness, it draws more people to studying it, to pouring money into research and trying to find ways that we can educate people. Cause I think that's the most important thing too. You know, there are so many signs earlier on that you just miss because one, you don't know that they're dealing with a mental illness. And so you don't know kind of that those signs are, Oh, they're not just drinking a lot and blacking out on a Saturday because we had one night to go out this week. Like, no, they're doing it repeatedly because they're trying to hide those thoughts and hide those demons that they're not talking about. So I think education at a younger age is just so, so important. And that's like where you have to start um, being able to recognize that and just being nice to people. It's, it's just not that hard. Like seeing that poor kid, 12 years old, from bullying, take his own life. And like, no one should be put in that situation. No parent should be put in that situation. And it's just kids feed off and mimic the environment and what they see. So clearly those kids bullying are seeing people act terribly to one another. And it's just like, is that from social media? Is that from family friend dynamic? It it needs to, people just need to be kinder and more understanding and empathetic. I agree. I think it's like the, like it costs zero dollars to be nice. Like it literally, it's like, it does not take any real energy to not say something mean. Like, you know what I mean? Like it takes nothing. And I think it, you even get more back when you're kind, like when you put kindness out, I feel like you get kindness back. So like I couldn't agree more. I mean, it breaks my heart when I even see like, you know, young high schoolers like hurting themselves. I like just don't want to live in a world where that continues to, to grow. Like I want that, that reality to like shrink. Right. Mm -hmm. I want it to be like less and less. Cause yeah. But I think that um, again, it all, I think goes back to, to education from a young age and the beauty, the beauty of life is everything that we know we have been taught like when we arrive on earth, we're like blank canvases. So like literally we have learned everything we know to this point. So we can unlearn things. Like we can unlearn like the mean comments we say, right. And we can replace them with like nicer things or yeah. So I'll get off my soapbox, but I couldn't agree. I couldn't agree with you more. Um, I think it is time for some closing questions. If, if that's okay. Yeah. Awesome. Um, first, first question is, if you could go back to like injured Ashley and, or at any point, I guess, when you, you might've been struggling with something, what would you say? And yeah, what would you tell her? Um, I would tell her it's okay to feel what you're feeling. It, you don't have to be ashamed of it, but express it, talk about it. Um, if you keep trying to press it down, you will exp- explode, you will break. So let's avoid that. And let's get these feelings out now. I love that. Um, second question is what are you most looking forward to like in any, any type of way in 2022? It's a great question. And I hate to make it work related, but I've just been working so much. It's okay. It's okay. Work. No, make it work related. But I have such a platform this spring with my position on my sport net ESPN that I'm really excited to be sharing a lot of really important stories, um, not just about mental health, but about relationships, parental relationships, mostly, um, and just different things. So really excited to be sharing lots of stories and normalizing a lot of different topics. I love it. Um, and last question is what are you most grateful for? Oh, my family, my friends, like I would start crying right now if I think too much about them. I love them so much. Um, I'm a very loyal person. My family, they're all my best friends. My boyfriend's my best friend in the whole world. Um, and like I mentioned, my group of girls, uh, can't say our secret name, but the Duke Swim and Dive ladies of 17. Uh, I hope you're listening because love you more than anything. I love it. Well, thank you again for coming on and just being so vulnerable. I, I know this, none of this stuff is easy to talk about, but I'm so grateful that 
that you came on and, you know, had such an open discussion. Of course. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Huge thank you. And just I'm so grateful that Ashley came on and talked a little bit about her story and her experience and just everything in between. I feel like the more conversations I have with people, the more I learn and the better equipped I feel to help support those around me and just to support anyone who may who may need it. Um, and also to honestly support myself, which I think is kind of the core of everything, right? It's like supporting yourself first. Um, again, like, what do they say in airplanes? You put your oxygen mask on before people around you. Um, so help yourself first and you'll be able to help more people, people around you and support, support more. Um, if you want to get in touch with Ashley, you can find her at Ashley Shanley. Um, I'm really excited. She has some really cool ESPN specials coming out, um, that she's helped produce this spring. Um, if you want to get in touch with the mental matchup, you can find us at thementalmatchup.com or at the mental matchup on Instagram. Um, submit your stories. If you want to come on the podcast, send, send us an email, send us a DM. Uh, we're always looking, you know, to continue to destigmatize mental health through sharing and storytelling. To get in touch with Morgan's Message, you can find us at morgansmessage.org or at Morgan's Message on Instagram. And with that, I will see you next episode. <laughs>